I was nine. Of course, the adults were all drinking and carrying on and I was bored. And the owner of the ranch that we were at said, why don't you, you go ride, ride my horse. We'll bring him in. You know, he had, his son was there and he said, yeah, go, go bring in scotch, bring in scotch for Kelly to ride, bring in the horses. So I'm there on scotch and going back and forth on the gravel driveway. And I remember Jim comes out of the house and he comes out of the house and he's kind of standing there, the side of the, the lane, <laughs> kind of weaving a little bit. Callie's <laughs> currently weaving. <laughs> I think he might have been drunk. <laughs> and he gave me probably the best riding advice that I have received to this day. Yeah. He said, you know how to ride a horse, girl? All you got to do is keep your ass in the middle of their back. <laughs> I mean, that's it, isn't it? Really? That's all the advice you need. Jump in with both feet. Go big. Follow your dreams. Grab life by the reins. This is how we live. We're Kelly King and Andrea Wady, two horse trainers always looking for adventure and finding it. Join us for stories of dangerous travels, wild animals, new challenges, and in the end, always learning alongside our magnificent horses. So saddle up and follow along. You're listening to Grab Life by the Reins. So I have a question for you today to okay. start us off in the morning. I think a lot of girls, when they think of first love. Oh, maybe, gosh. Maybe it's a first kiss. Oh, my gosh. Maybe we're going there. Maybe it's a romantic walk around a lake. But we have both grown up with horses. So Trent to think where this is going. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I would ask you about your first horse. Because oh. we both know that's our real first love. 100%. So it wasn't actually my horse, but it was a horse pony that I was riding. It's funny, I knew straight away which one. He was called Tinto. And he was a Dartmoor pony, about 12 hands and he was amazing, great big woolly thing. And I think I was about three when I started riding him, maybe four. Wow, you were young. Oh, I- Really young. I rode in front of my grandmother when I was tiny. Were your parents, was your family into yeah. horses? Yeah. Parents and grandparents? Yeah. Oh, cool. Mum and dad didn't have horses when I, was young, but they'd had horses. It's quite a cool story, actually. In fact, yeah, I'll tell you about my gran. I'll tell you about Tinto as well. He was amazing. But my grandmother, one of the last conversations that I had with her, the, in fact, it was the last time I saw her, I got to tell her about the liberty work that I do with horses. So part of my life and my job is I train horses at liberty. So no equipment no ropes attaching us, just who do I need to be on that day for that horse to want to be with me? And I was showing my gran some videos. Um, my gran rode from a very, very young age in Cornwall and pretty much rode her whole life. And she said, oh, 
oh, liberty, is that what they call it? I used to do that on the hunting field. Now, hunting is not my thing. I'll just say that now, but you know, each to their own. But back then, you know, in the 20s and 30s, that was a big thing. You know, Graham was from quite a well-to-do family in England and they hunted. And she said that she had this pony called Star and she would feel that Star was getting tired because they'd ride like 10 miles to get to the start of the hunt, hunt all day and then ride home. So she said, I used to jump off sometimes and just run in the hunt field, which is bonkers if anyone's ever been on it. It's like everyone's just going full tilt with whiskey in their pocket and it's all bonkers. And she would get off, tuck her reins over the saddle and run, climb over the jumps that were too big for her. Star would jump them and wait for her on the other side. And I was like, wow, yeah. that's incredible. I remember her telling me a story because my gran had um, dementia towards the end. So she would drift back in the years and the stories were always real and a friend of mine was a psychologist and she said don't ever say no gran don't forget you're in you know 2000 and whatever she said no go there with her mm -hmm. but she was telling me stories that were true about when war broke out and it was the second world war in England and the army would come through every town and take the horses so, so they were using the horses for for war for war were they riding them were they using them as pack everything animals for everything it was wow. heartbreaking hundreds of thousands of horses left england and never came back mm, and they we... went to africa they went to europe they went everywhere wow i didn't know that happened oh my gosh it was horrendous have you ever seen the movie war horse I, I know of it, but I haven't seen it yeah, yet. Yeah, don't watch it. It's heartbreaking, but that's what it's based on. Okay. So there was this day where the army officer was coming. People were trying to hide horses, but my grand's family were, you know, they believed we needed to beat what was going on. So they brought all of their horses down to the, the roundabout in the village where the blacksmith had his place. And they were measuring them. And anything over 14-2 went with the army and anything under stayed. So my grand's pony Star got to stay and my aunt's horse called Bridegroom, he got to stay and the other eight horses all left. And they never saw them again. I can't imagine how heartbreaking that would be. I mean, we know our, our horses aren't, to us, they're not livestock. They're, they're friends, they're family. Yeah. And you'd want to think there's just no way you'd let them take them. But back then there wasn't a choice. Then you were a traitor. Then you can, you know, you, I don't think any of us can imagine what it was like and what the threat was that was facing the country. So they did do it. They had to do it. They didn't have a choice. But yeah, all of those horses went and my great grandfather walked home without any of his horses. Yeah, horrendous. So yeah, slight side story there, but that's my grandmother lived and breathed horses. So she went off, she enrolled in the women's Navy during the war and she went off and she met a man in South Africa who was from a big wealthy family in South Africa and they had lots of racehorses 
and I have a picture on my wall of my great-grandfather leading in the winner of the Durban Cup. Dawnwind, the horse is called, was called. So horses have been a massive part of my life, but I think the horse I want to tell you about is wasn't my first horse. It was the horse that I had from about the age of 20 when he was really, truly mine. And I never think we own horses, but, you know, he was one that I'd saved and paid for and Chris helped me buy him. Whereas before it was always other people's ponies that I was riding. And when my grandmother came back from the war, she came back to England with her husband and they worked at an Arabian stud that was run by Lady Wentworth. And Lady Wentworth was one of the original people in England that bought Arabs back from the Arab countries. They were beautiful. I went to look at this horse. I didn't want an Arab. I wanted a good native pony that I could go and jump all the hedges in the countryside. And But my old riding instructor rang me up. She said, are you still looking for a horse? I said, well, yeah, I am. She goes, well, I'm going to I was like, what? What is oh, an Arab? Did you just say an Arab? I don't want an Arab. She said, you need to come and see it. These people have no idea what they've got. They've never sat on it. He's got into some bad habits, but he's awesome. I was like, hmm, well, I'll come and have a look and a cup of tea. Well, I just fell in love with him. He was stocky. He wasn't what you see now, these Arabs that look like they'll snap. He was a stocky, proper crabbit Arabian. So I got hold of his pedigree, his bloodlines, and I took it to my grandma. And she went, hang on a minute. And she went off into the bedroom and she came back with this stack of old fashioned photo albums. And she's going through, going through, going through. And then she's like triumphant. She went there. That's me delivering his great, great, great grandfather. Wow. And I went, I'm having that horse. That's amazing. Yeah. And he literally, he died about six months ago. I had to sell him when I went to Costa Rica and he went to a lady called Teresa who absolutely adored him. You just showed me his photo. I did, just yesterday. Yes. What was his name? Sabi. Mystical Sabi. Mystical Sabi. He was amazing. Yeah. I never did get to jump on him, though, because he, like, he'd literally land back feet first. <laughs> Arabs were not born for jumping. And you parted with him to go to Costa Rica. And that, well, he was... I did, did. I would say part of what allowed you to go, no? Because his sale helped to fund your move. Yeah. And, you know, it's a contentious issue. But I think I learned a lot in Costa Rica about animals being a part of our lives, not always the entire bit of our life. And people said to me, how could you do that? How could you leave him? And it's like, because my life needs to expand. I need to go. I wasn't happy at home, I knew that I had a bigger mission in life, if you like, and I wanted to go. And I found a fantastic woman who I knew was going to give him everything he ever needed. I saw him lots of times when I came home and he was happy. And I got to go and do what defined me for the rest of my life. So I don't have a regret. Did I miss him? Of course I did. Of course I did. But I feel like animals, we talked about this yesterday, funnily enough, I feel like animals have their own <laughs> destiny in this life too. They do. 
I've learned that with the several animals that have come in and out of my life in the past year. And they do. They have their own path. They have their own people to meet and things to do. So that's beautiful. Yeah. It was amazing. And my grand, my gosh, she was an incredible horsewoman. Incredible. So yes, going back to the beginning, she put me on Tinto at a very early age, although I actually learned to ride on a cow. A cow? Yep. A dairy cow. What are the dairy cows in England? Because here we've got the big black and white Holsteins, mostly. Yeah, and this some was Jerseys. a Jersey cow. Ah, a little Jersey. Okay. Yeah, she was a Jersey. Um, I'd just get picked up at my friend's house and shoved on him and her, and I'd ride her in from the field. And she was really tame. She was really cute. Very uncomfortable, I seem to remember. They do have a bit of a spiny back. Oof, yeah, they do. But Graham was a big fan of you can ride your ponies, but you're only allowed a saddle when you learn to stay on. I love it. Yeah, that was a steep learning curve. But, you know, I don't remember a lot of that, though. I've been told that because I was really young. What about you? What was your first love in a pony? Well, he wasn't a pony. <laughs> Why does that not surprise me? <laughs> and I also, I didn't have a saddle. Well, technically, I did have a saddle for him. I just really didn't like using it. And it was also a Western saddle. And he was he was a big quarter horse. So it was really hard for me to lift the saddle up on him, which was another reason I never used it. His name was Scotch. And he was my first horse. So you got given a horse or, or you had a horse that was massive as your first horse. Yeah, he was given to me. He was given to me. I was extremely lucky. So when I was growing up, when I was five, my parents started spending some time in Colorado. So they, they bought some land in Colorado and we started going out there for a part of the year. And my parents made friends very quickly out there. And when I was nine, so this, we'd been going for a few years yeah. and we went with some friends of ours to a new ranch where there was a party. And I was, I was nine. Of course, the adults were all drinking and carrying on and I was bored. And the owner of the ranch that we were at said, why don't you, you go ride, ride my horse. We'll bring him in. You know, he had, his son was there and he said, yeah, go, go bring in Scotch, bring in Scotch for Kelly to ride, bring in the horses. They bring him in and he was about 15, three stock quarter horse, chestnut, big white blaze. How old was he? He was 32 at the time. Wow. Oh, those older horses are amazing. So noble. And he had been there at this man's ranch since he was a two-year-old. So he'd lived there for 30 years. Wow, lovely. So I, I got to tell you a little bit about Jim, the rancher first, the, the man that gave me scotch to paint this picture. So Jim was a Colorado rancher through and through, wore a big felt cowboy hat with the deep creases in it had you know been his family had ranched in Colorado for years and years he uh he named scotch after his favorite drink yeah shocker but when he wasn't drinking scotch he would crack open a beer he would drink about half the beer and then he would pour jack daniel's whiskey <gasps> into the can and, and drink that so it he uh he was a character yeah i bet to say the least good stories i bet and uh, scotch came in they put a bridle on. They threw me up on him. I was trotting back and forth on the... Uh, so how old were you? 
I was nine. Nice. And I had ridden a little bit, but to be honest, I I didn't like my first lessons. My parents got me lessons when I was six. You're not the lesson type. You're free as a bird. I was bored to tears yeah, in those lessons. Definitely. The only lessons that I enjoyed is when they would put us on the lunge line, they would take away the stirrups and the reins, yeah. and they would let us like basically try to stand in the saddle and wave our hands around and do yeah, that would silly be things. Far more your style. Yeah. When we had to walk when we had to walk around and steer the, the horses or we had to, you know, practice our position, I couldn't stand it. So I'm there on scotch and going back and forth on the gravel driveway. And I remember Jim comes out of the house and he comes out of the house and he's kind of standing there, the side of the, the lane, <laughs> kind of, you know, kind of weaving a little bit. Callie's <laughs> currently weaving. <laughs> I think he might have been drunk. <laughs> and he gave me probably the best riding advice that... I have received to this day. Yeah. He said, you know how to ride a horse, girl? All you got to do is keep your asshole in the middle of their back. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's it, isn't it? Really? That's all the advice you need. But then the next thing out of his mouth was probably the absolute highlight of my entire childhood. He said, do you like that horse? I said, uh -huh, yeah, I like him a lot. And he said, you can have him. <gasps> and I, I can even, I can feel the chills in my body right now. And uh, <laughs> my parents weren't there. So right away I was like, well, how's this going to, how do I bridge this gap? Who's telling dad? <laughs> so Jim goes back in, tells my parents that he has just given me a horse. Luckily we had this, this land. Yeah. And, um, and they said, okay. Right, trailer him. Can you trailer him over next week? Oh. So that was even another story in itself. And a big move for, for the horse because he'd been on the farm for years. Well, this tells the spirit of Scotch. So 32 years old, Jim trailers him over, drops him off about six o'clock in the evening. It was going to be dark around eight o'clock. And we had, it was our land. It was part of the neighbor's land. It was about a total of 200 acres that was fenced. And we also had, when you come down the drive, there was a cattle guard that we went over. And if folks don't know what a cattle guard is, it's basically round, a big metal grate of round bars. Yeah, like a grid on the floor. And the reason that they use them is livestock typically won't cross over them, but you can drive a car over it. So it's kind of like a fence that you don't have to open the gate and go through. So we put scotch in the field. I'm, I'm, of course, super excited. You know, I'm out there watching him. He's running around this whole 200 acres looking like a wild stallion. I mean, wow. he would go up on, find where the ridges are and just stand there oh, like something out of the spirit beautiful. movie, yeah. you know, the wind blowing his mane. And I just thought this is absolutely, I've got the world by the tail. Yeah. This is my horse. And then I went in for dinner, come back out. And I can't find Scotch. Oh, he's gone. And I go running back in. You know, this is me running around all this acreage. Go running back in the house, huffing and puffing. Dad, I can't find him. I'm sure he's out there. Let's get on the four-wheeler. We drive around. Can't find Scotch. Oh. And then we got smart. We went to the cattle guard. And clear as day, we could see the tracks. He just ran up to that thing and leapt over it. Jumped it. So now he's out. It's almost dark. Oh. We jump in the pickup it's truck. It's not going to plan. It's not going to plan. My heart is sinking. 
jump in the pickup truck, go out looking for him. Jim's ranch, where Scotch lived, was 20 miles away. Scotch traveled eight miles on that road headed for home until another neighbor saw him, saw a horse running along the road and caught him and put him in their field. Wow. We did. We, We brought him back. Uh, we brought in some other horses. Yeah. He ended up acclimating well. After a few years, we brought him back to Pennsylvania. Yeah. And he lived till he was 37. Oh, bless him. But the stories they told of Scotch, supposedly he stopped stampedes of cattle on his own. Wow. I mean, he was a phenomenal, a phenomenal horse. working ranch horse. I have always loved being a teacher. When I was a little kid, I would make these different lectures and classes on obscure topics like equine diseases and lameness. And we're here, Andrea and I are connected because of Horse Class. And Horse Class is my educational company and a community of horse people from countries all around the world that are united by wanting to be the best that we can for ourselves and for our horses. And we publish free videos, free resources, and premium courses in riding tips, in horse training information and inspiration, and also how to take the best possible care of your horse. If you want to learn more, check out our website, horseclass.com. We've got the link in the show notes. They just have their own... (laughs) Their own spirit, their own entity. Gosh, I couldn't imagine a life without horses. Yes. I just couldn't. Yeah, we're we're so lucky to have grown up with horses, to have them in our lives. Absolutely. And long may it last. Here's to scotch. Do we have any scotch? <laughs> that would be the time to raise a glass. <laughs> yes, it would. Here's to scotch and tinto. We've got tea and chocolate-covered almonds. We'll, we'll go with that. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to Grab Life by the Reins. If you want to see ridiculous photos from our adventures, be the first to know when we release new episodes and be a part of more shenanigans, join our email family at grablifebytherains.com. We'll see you in the next program. <laughs>